Hey y'all, Double G here from Fight Game Media. Your favorite podcasts on this very network have been putting up some great bonus content on the Patreon. The In the Clinch podcast, hosted by Paul Fontaine and Ryan Frederick, posted their UFC 270 recap show just hours after that show ended. And this week, the folks from The Wrap are putting up their 2017 Royal Rumble Rewind bonus show. Also, I know that John LaRocca from the Take It Home podcast is trying to get former WWE heartbreaker Antonio The Promise Thomas on his bonus show. Add to the great shows that are exclusive to the Patreon, including my show with John covering 1998 Raw, the Dynamite show with Paul Fontaine and Jeff Hawkins, which goes up right after AEW Dynamite is over, Scott Edwards' five-star Joshi show, as well as the full version of Brace for Impact. It's just $5 a month to support your favorite podcasters, folks. Patreon.com front slash Fight Game Media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Pound for Pound podcast here on the Fight Game Media Network. I'm your co-host, Carlos Toro, and joining me every single week is Robert Silva. Robert, how are you doing? Hey, what's up, Carlos? What's up, Fight fans? And Carlos is about to break some big news right now about Roman Chocolate Tito Gonzalez. Give it to us, Carlos. Yes. So over the weekend, it was... Being rumored that Juan Francisco Estrada was supposed to fight Chocolatito in their highly anticipated trilogy fight was dealing with COVID. It was sort of, and then the rumors started to spread and it became a lot more credible. By the time the rumors were sort of spreading around on Friday, uh, I was being, I was told that the reports and the rumors were legit. And that it was announced on today, on Tuesday, January 25th, which is the day we're recording, that Estrada is out. And he's not going to be fighting Roma Chocolatito Gonzalez in March because of COVID. And in his place, they didn't just, Matram didn't just salvage the card. They salvaged the main event with what some people are saying Probably an even better fight. I disagree, but I disagree. But it's not it's a an, better but fight. It's, but, it's but it's an it's excellent an, it, fight, nonetheless. Yes, yes. In a non-title fight, as I understand it, Roman Chocolate. Well, actually, yeah, it's non-title fight. Roman Chocolate Gonzalez will face WBC flyweight champion Julio Cesar Martinez in a 115-pound fight that's now going to be serving as the new main event. Of the March fifth right. matchroom boxing card on the zone. This is. Can I just say on paper, could this may be one of the, one of the best on uh, on paper, one of the best late replacement fights in recent memory. I mean, you have arguably maybe the best flyweight in the world today. A guy who uh-huh. has has been saying for a while he's probably going to be moving up to. Uh-huh. To super flyweight, and then all of a sudden, yep. you know, Estrada catches COVID, and we we hope he makes a full recovery. But then the door just opens for this really career altering opportunity to face a future Hall of Famer who's in the midst of this unbelievable career renaissance, coming off of one of the greatest super flyweight title fights in history. 
This is a fight, Robert, I am so extremely excited about. This is an incredible fight, even on uh, on its own. Now, the, the one thing is that, you know, Martinez is going to be dealing with a relatively short camp, but he still is going to be, he's still gonna, he still has a little more than a month to get ready for the right. fight. But this is still a, a, an unbelievable fight that Matchroom salvaged here. The only thing I worried about was didn't Chocolatito also come off of a COVID battle? Uh, I don't. If it if he did, it was like a, quite a while ago. Okay. Uh, all right. Okay. All right. Because what this fight was delayed before. I don't think it. Uh, um. I don't, it, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it. Were, Okay, yeah, that is true. That is true. He did have he did test positive. Yeah. That was like last yeah. fall, like right. end of last summer, right? And that's why this fight didn't wasn't scheduled to early this year. And now Estrada's down with it. Um, well, it was it was late summer, early fall, so he should be okay by now. Uh, this is going to be an incredible fight. Uh, Martinez only fights one way, and Chocolatito only fights one way. So it's going to be. Nothing but dynamite. Nothing but explosives. Uh, it just we just need to see if Chocolatito doesn't get old overnight, and, and if he doesn't, wow, what a fight, uh, man! I I can't see this going the distance. It, I I don't see it. Um, yeah. I don't see it happening. It's a it's a fantastic fight on paper and. I think this is a lot more 50-50 than some people are, are giving it credit for. It, it, look, it is 50-50 because Martinez doesn't know how to lose. And Chocolatino is past his prime. Despite the fact that he's looked great the last two years, he's past his prime. And both Carlos and I know that when you are you have the mileage on you and you're up there at age like Chocolatino is, you could go, you could become old overnight. On one night, and we don't know. We don't know what Chocolatino we're going to get that night. I'm hoping we get the best. And even uh, even Chocolatino at his best, Martinez is a beast. Yeah, yeah, and 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 hell, I mean, as great as Chocolatino has been fighting lately, let's not forget he's already gone. He's already turned uh, turned old once in the ring. At least exactly. once. And remember the the yeah. first fight, and really, actually, more so the second fight against Sarisic and Surum Vasai yeah. a, a few years ago. We all thought yeah. by by that point, Chocolatito wasn't just pa- way past his prime. But a lot of people were saying he should just retire entirely. Yeah, I wanted him to retire because he he took such a tremendous, ferocious beating in that second fight and was plastered all over the canvas. I thought he was done, and he shocked me. He made a uh, Evander Holyfield Miguel Cotto like comeback. Uh, I win or lose, I just hope that he gives it his all, and it's not a one-sided beat. I hope we see the best Chocolatito, because I know we're going to see the best Martinez. And you and I, Carlos, have been saying for a long time, Martinez has a short shelf life mm-hmm. because of the of the way he fights. So it only makes sense for him to go after the gusto and fight. The most famous 115-pound fighter of the last 20 years. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree with you on that one. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. Obviously, we're more than a month away from the fight. The rest of the undercard, 
as far as I understand, it's still the same. So if you didn't listen to last, I think it was last week's show, the undercard yeah. looks like this. Mauricio Lara versus Emilio Sanchez, Angel Fierro versus Juan Carlos Burgos, Diego Pacheco versus Cenk Plana, and then Mark Castro, Anthony Herrera, and Sky Nicholson in action, which, I mean, I like that, you know, that top three, I like that, uh, including the main event, I like him, I really like Mauricio Lara. It's it's a great card, it's a, it's a great card uh, from top to bottom, capped off by... One of the most intriguing fights of 2022. Yeah, it's... I'm excited for this. But it's a damn shame that, you know, we entered the year with hope with, with the trilogy fight finally going to happen with the winner possibly fighting the winner of Sarissa Gerson-Rumvisai versus Carlos Quadras 2. Now, that kind of looks to be just almost completely done with because we don't know how long Estrada's going to be out. And and if we're being honest, if we're keeping if we're keeping taps on the WBA, and we're trying to re and they and if they really want to stick to their one title per weight class plan that they laid out last year, and they if they really are serious about this, then the WBA has just found themselves an opportunity to order Estrada to fight Joshua Franco. Who's the WBA re- uh, regular champion right. at 115, right. and Estrada's the super right. champion. Right, right, right. So, I mean, it, the logical way, and really, w- in what should be the WBA's eyes, the right way, the right thing to do is to order that fight for uh, later this year, maybe in the early summer or, or something like that, or late spring. And I, I think that's a really good fight. I think Joshua Franco has certainly earned himself a fight against. Those top guys at 115, especially with the way he looked against uh, Jason Maloney in the yeah, he be- Andrew Maloney in the third, fight. In in the the third, third fight. He 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 belongs in the mix. He definitely belongs in this mix. And and he's young enough to where he can catch some of these guys. And listen, the top at the super flyweight division, excluding Jerwin Ancajas. A lot of them, a lot of them are past their prime. If we're t- we're being completely honest, I, I'll be honest with you. Except for Martinez, the new inclusion into the division, the rest of those guys, Quadras, Sarigvasai, uh, Estrada, and Chocolatino, are all four past their prime. And Donnie Nietzsche, you want to add them into the mix? They're all past their prime. Yeah. So, and by the way. Who's to say if Martinez, who is still the WBC flyweight champion, his title is not online, but who's to say Martinez wins this fight and then just suddenly realizes there's a lot of really good fights I can make at 115, a lot of fights that are easier to make because some of those guys are in-house. And, you know, why should I try to maybe unify titles at 112? If he... If he beats Chocolatino, he needs to take that WBC title and FedEx it to the Sulamans because it's a wrap. No need for him to fight at 112. He beats Chocolatino, he's already top two, top three contender for any of those titles. Yeah. Yeah, so this is a very interesting mix. Now, on the flip side, on the flip side, if Chocolatito just completely batters uh, Martinez, then... He goes to 112, coming off a really bad loss, you know, with no momentum whatsoever. 
and and in all actuality, he should have he should be ordered to still fight McWilliams Arroyo in a rematch, given the way their first fight ended not too long ago. Right. Right, right, given how right. things how things could look, I could even we could even favor Meg Williams Arroyo. Uh, it, it it all depends on what happens on March fifth, and I'm looking forward to this. I'm very, it, it, man, we've got some great fights coming up, and I'm and I'm so glad that this is, and Carlos, this is the best replacement fight I've seen in years, years. I agree, I agree. I I honestly cannot remember. I I saw it someone. On Twitter, and, and I maybe Andy Ruiz, maybe Andy Ruiz versus Anthony Joshua. I don't know. No, no, that, no. That's not bro. where I was going. I was thinking um, Lennox uh, Lennox Lewis against uh, oh versus Klitschko. Yes, versus Klitschko took he took over for uh uh uh, 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 uh no no no. Uh, no. Um, uh, from from Canada, it was it was it was another Canadian. Uh, was it Johnson? the hell was his name <laughs> uh man early size of the bench year, but he pulled out of the fight and vitaly stepped in yeah that's so yeah i don't think this is a better replacement fight than that fight i would say it's, it's the best one since that fight yes yes without a doubt the best one in 18 years without a doubt yeah 19 years now yeah yeah so what's funny because that ended up being lennox's final fight as a pro the, well, because he saw he he saw he was done, he, and he 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 barely got out of that fight with his title. If he hadn't opened up that cut, he could have easily lost by decision. Because he was you never you never saw Lennox Lewis not cut. He was fat in that fight. He was slow. He was getting hit. It was time for the retire. Now we may be talking about this for uh, for another fighter who had just fought this past weekend in Gary Russell Jr. on Showtime. Gary Russell Jr. loses his WBC featherweight title to Mark Masayo in a by majority decision in the main event after what after we had said we, we had talked about fighters getting old overnight or they or losing a step or two. I mean Gary Russell Jr. he stepped into that ring physically hurt with all the personal issues that he's been dealing with. He he didn't it, it didn't look like he lost a step. He looked like he lost the entire an entire mile. Like he was not, he did not look good at all at the beginning of of their fight. He got hurt. He was dealing with apparently was supposedly a a torn tendon. I think it was on his shoulder. Dealing with he had that. no business fighting. And Carlos, his his management, his his father, his brothers, Gary Russell. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to even blame his management. I'm blame this on Gary Russell. He had no business in the ring that night. He was injured and. You saw it the first couple of rounds. He was throwing the jab, then all of a sudden his shoulder snapped, and he became a one-arm fighter. He had no business fighting, and McSyle did not impress me at all because he had a sitting duck, and he let the sitting duck land left cross after left cross on him. I, there, there, I, the point I was, that must, there was a legitimate argument that you could that if the fight had kept going, or maybe if Russell had uh, had been doing that just a tiny bit earlier. Russell could have yeah. retained his title, whether it be by draw was, or there, by decision. There was, sub, there was several rounds that could have gone either way because Maxayo couldn't get out the way of, of a one-armed fighter. I didn't understand. I don't know what Freddie Roach was telling Maxayo in the corner. Maxayo stopped going to the body. If he would have went to the body and gone to his right side, to uh, Russell's right side, he could have knocked Russell out because he hurt Russell earlier in the fight. 
but he was going straight forward. I did not understand that. Uh, he's lucky that Russell had one arm and he won the fight. But I was disgusted by both men. McSayo should have knocked Russell out. He let a one-arm fighter hit him at will with that one arm. And Russell had no business fighting that night. Uh, I guess he didn't want to disappoint his fans. But I don't think he was 50% going into the fight. And then by the third round, he was 20%. Yeah. Yeah. It Combined that with the personal issue that he'd been dealing with, the fact that his training camp, uh, you know, with his father having his foot amputated, the passing of one, one of his brothers. His brothers. Like, yeah. the, if we're being honest, it maybe Russell felt the pressure of having yeah, to did. fight because yeah. of the two-year layoff. If we're looking at this, you know, do if Russell really wanted to, you know, fight the fight at his absolute best, he would have postponed this fight. He would and have now, Carlos, how long before he fights again? Because this is a serious injury. He can't he can't step into the ring until he's one hundred percent. And at his age, with that with that injury, it takes longer to heal. His career might be in jeopardy. I'm gonna say, and this is actually, and I know some people are, might think that I'm gonna feed into the Gary Russell only fights once a year joke. But if I'm being, but if I'm being honest, I tell Gary, uh-huh. take the rest of the year off, get healthy. You know, you know, he, be he with your family, he get healthy. He, he cannot, he cannot fight anybody at one twenty six unless he's one hundred percent. That 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 shoulder, he. Carlos, he didn't even use it for anything after the third round. No. It was it was like he was paralyzed on the right side. And the fact that even with all of that, Gary managed to only just barely lose out by majority decision, which was 114-114 and 115-113 on the other two scorecards. One shows... How much heart Gary has to be yeah. able to uh, make incredible. a make incredible. what would have been one of the best comebacks uh, yes. in recent memory. But two, if Gary uh, and no disrespect to Mark Masayo, but if we had seen, but if, if Gary was at a hundred percent physically and mentally, Gary probably would have stopped Mark Masayo. He would. Our predictions would have came true had he been a hundred percent. He wasn't. I, I mean, fair, I had said, I had said decision. I had said decision. I said late stoppage. You said decision, but you said a comfortable decision. He would have dominated. He was landing that left cross at will. I mean, what was McSayo doing? And I want to know what was Freddie Roach telling this young man because he kept walking into. He's a one-off fighter. You, 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 you. Since you've been watching boxing, you always hear the commentators and the trainers. All right, uh, attack the side that's that's broken. Like mm. if one of his eyes is closed, keep hitting that eye. Well, his right side he can't use it. Go bang that body, bang that shoulder. He didn't do that. I I don't know what he was doing. He's lucky Gary Russell was one off fighter. He wouldn't have won that fight. And uh, what do you think is next for Maxayo? Uh could be it could, there could be a number of things he could maybe wait until maybe they put him in a rematch against Russell I doubt it uh, ah, that, right that'd now, be too long though that that'd might be, be too long. long it might be but if the last seven years have taught us anything is that the WBC doesn't really care a whole lot if 
the WBC featherweight world title. Yeah, but but, but Sayo stays active. He he not he's not gonna want to wait a year to fight again. No, I who don't do think. You, who do you think he? Uh, I, I don't know if this will happen. Uh, I would love to see him against Stephen Fulton if Fulton ever decides to move up. That to me that'd be an exciting fight. But Fulton has two other fighters he has to deal with beforehand. I think Fulton stays at one twenty-two. Honestly, about, the fight for honestly the fight for me is Ray Vargas. Ray Vargas, okay, yeah, I would. Love and to I see favor that fight. Ray in that one. I would favor him in that one. Do you uh, is Davareddy moving up to what thirty? I don't. I don't know. I, I think. I think the answer will he eventually move it to one thirty? I think so. Yes. Right now, could that could that fight be made? I don't think so. I don't think that's going to be okay. in the cards. I think okay, PBC okay. wants to keep Masayo in in that 126 because there's cause PBC still has plenty of uh, featherweights at 126, and right, I mean so you could Ray, theoretically Ray Vargas. Ray Vargas would be a tremendous fight without a doubt. Yeah, yeah and I would favor Vargas too. I and agree. here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you really want to think think long term ish, who's to say Leo Santa Cruz? Looks good uh, against uh, Keenan Carbajal later uh, uh-huh. in a few weeks. Ray Vargas fights Masayo. PBC tries to fight do, try, PBC yeah. tries to work some uh, tries to pull some pull some long term booking. I think Vargas beats Masayo, and I right. think if Leo looks good against Carbajal, he stays at one twenty six. He can try unify Vargas and Santa Cruz's titles. For Mexican Independence Day weekend, and then uh, early next year, you, uh, Russell one hundred percent could fight the winner of all this. <laughs> That's the, long term, long term booking. <laughs> yeah, which is why I think PBC w- doesn't want him to uh, doesn't want Messiah to go to Navarrete. That would one d- involve dealing with Top Rank, and two, right, right, PBC right. has a lot of in house fights that they can try and see if, if they can sort of put together. You. So, all right, but but I would agree. I think Masayo against Navarrete would be. And if I'm being honest, I I, I would I'd favor all the other champions over uh, Martin Masayo right now. If I'm being honest, yeah, I, I I do too. And I hate the hype that that because he's a Manny fighter and Freddie Roach is his trainer. He's from the Philippines. The next Manny Pacquiao, ladies and gentlemen, that is not the next Manny Pacquiao. Because if that was Manny Pacquiao in the ring versus a one arm Gary Russell. Gary Russell would be in the hospital for more than just a shoulder injury. <laughs> and, and and at the same time, I, I I've seen Messiah fight better than what he did last weekend. He 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 he, he fought like a guy that was trying not to lose. You don't do that against a world class fight, even when he's one armed. No, no, and and not just that. I mean, he was losing against Julio Seja un- until he knocked Seja out. We talked about that. He was way behind on the cards when he had that incredible come-from-behind knockout win. Carlos, you're right. Of all the 126-pound champions, I'm not going to say he's the worst. He's the fourth best, fifth best, whatever. I agree with you. The other champions are better than him. And, and I'm including Lee Wood, who is the regular WBA champion in this. Yeah, I would I, favor I, Lee yep. Wood over Mark Messiah. I Hell, I probably would favor Michael Conlon over Mark Messiah right now. Yeah, I would too. And I don't like Michael Conlon, but I, I would too, without a doubt. Yeah. At the very least, 
you know, Kala has shown he can take a punch and can fight through, uh, fight against a a rough rough fighter to to deal with because he did that against T.J. Dahani in his last time yep. out, and yep. his power is slow is, is is slowly developing. Well, McSayo better make all the money he can now because I agree with Carlos. This is going to be a short lived raid. Yeah, unless you know he just becomes drastically better, which is. Which is still possible. He's only twenty six, so he's only now entering his physical prime. So, and he's and he's with the right camp. If he's going to improve, he's with the right people. Rest of that showtime on the card: Subriel Matias against Petros Ananian. Matias just obliterates Petros in uh, after nine rounds, just completely decimates them. It was a rematch from their first fight a couple of years ago, in yeah. which uh, Petros Ananian. Uh, scored an upset win over Matias with unanimous decision win. And this fight was nowhere near as competitive as their first fight. Uh, you know, we I said this last week and, you know, Matias kind of proved me right. This is the same aggressive Subriel Matias that we've all seen even before yep. th- that loss a couple of years ago. But there's a lot more focus, a lot more discipline in... The way he moves around the ring and the way he punches. This is, if you think about it, in the grand scheme of 140 pounds, Matias is slowly turning to arguably maybe one of the most dangerous contenders at 140 pounds. If he hasn't that already. I think the only more dangerous guy at 140 other than Matias is Regis Progress. Matias is the real deal. I mean, we've seen him progress. Uh, no pun intended. Progress, progress. Uh, man, he was he. That was the best I've ever seen him. He was tremendous. Got that revenge victory. The sky's the limit for Matias. Um, man. Um, look, I don't want Josh Taylor going to one forty-seven because he'll get obliterated. I wish there was a way you could make a fight with Taylor and Matias. I mean, I'd favor Taylor, but Matias would be a very dangerous underdog. I mean, well. It- Technically speaking, I believe Matias is uh, slowly in line for trying to enforce a mandatory against uh, or on the IBF side. I, I, I should mention for uh, for that, or at least for that portion of the 140 pound title. I mean, Jeremiah Ponce is number one. Matias is number two in the rankings. The I think I believe they are. They still technically need to do a final eliminator between Ponces and Matias, where the winner becomes the final uh the, the final it. mandatory they, challenger. They should go ahead and make it because uh, Matias but Matias is re- is as ready as he's ever gonna be to try and beat Taylor or whoever is at 140. Yeah, and I mean if we're being completely now, Jeremiah's Ponce versus Subriel Matias, it's a fantastic all-action fight. It's going to be an incredible war. We said last week, Matias is the best TV fighter out there in terms of pound-for-pound action. And, and that kudos, fight would would be incredible. And kudos to, to Matias for wanting this fight. He wanted this fight because he wanted to avenge the, that he loss. He suffered that loss. And he has shown, he has grown tremendously since that fight. 
The, we might we might be seeing a future 140-pound star if he continues to progress and he continues to beat the guys in front of him. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him, man, and he impressed the hell out of me. To me, he was the best fighter Saturday night. And then lastly, the most controversial fight of this telecast. Tuxek Nayan Bayar versus Zacharia Lucas ends in a split draw. 96-94 to uh, each to both fighters and 95-95. The controversy of this fight came late when Sakaria Lucas lands a big left jab that drops Nyan Bayar. Referee Eddie Claudio says it was a slip. And then what came afterwards, first of all, it, that the missed knockdown actually ended up costing uh, Lucas because had that, fi- had that been called a knockdown, Lucas would have won by a uh, split decision because that yep. 95-95 would have turned into yep. 95-94. And, yep. And yep. then after the fight, which what, what may end up being one of the most baffling post-fight interviews in recent memory involving a referee. Eddie Claudio says, there, you know, basically denies that there was a knockdown. They showed the replay, not once, not twice, but three times. And Eddie Claudio let, just let, refuses let me, let me to ask, admit it. Where, where was the fight held Saturday night? Atlantic City. Atlantic City, New Jersey. You're right. I don't. Does Jersey have replay? I know Vegas does. That, I don't. Uh, I, I believe they because do not they have. Okay. I believe they don't. Vegas, if this was in Vegas, they would have went to the replay. They would have overturned it as a knockdown. I mean, oh, oh, I'm going to stop you right there. Vegas has screwed up the replay in the past. Oh, I forgot about Mr. Bird. Mr. Bird. They have screwed up replay in the past. Uh, it, it's uh, funny because Andrew Maloney Frank, on Twitter Frank based on uh, right, how right, much, right. If, you know, yeah. replay is not the perfect solution. Look at what happened to in my second fight against. Because uh, right. I, do, I do remember a fight in Vegas where uh, what's our boy's name? Jack Reese went to the replay and they correctly scored it a knockdown. Mm-hmm. But then again, I remember Bird. Uh, Robert Bird and say, oh no, no, that was <laughs> <laughs> it was a slip. Yeah, right. Slip. Yeah. He slipped after he got hit. Yeah. Yeah. And and then not, not just that. And here's the thing. So Eddie Claudio looking at the replay from his vantage point, I can actually believe the argument that Claudio was not in a position to see the knockdown because his point of view was to Nyambayard's back. And the left jab was a very, very sneaky and hidden left jab that just right. that touched right. Nyambayard right. on the chin. But then there but here's but I, I can understand that argument, but there are a couple of things. One Eddie Claudio should have been in a better position to begin with. There was no exactly. reason why he had to be directly behind Nyan Bayar in that situation. That was just poor positioning from Eddie Claudio to begin with. And secondly, why? how on earth did Eddie Claudio not see the knockdown? How did he not see it even with the replay? If you want to say, I didn't see the knockdown in real time... Because of the way I was positioned, that's fine. I I I, I get it. I don't like it, but I actually get it based on the replay and where he was positioned. But to just outright not even say, yeah, you're right. There was a knockdown. 
That was my B. It, it was just it shows a complete it's either complete lack of awareness or you're just so prideful and your ego is so big that you just won't admit that you're wrong. Exactly. It, exactly. And the worst part of it is Eddie Claudio probably isn't going to suffer any consequences from this. I don't think he, he's going to get punished or anything, which sucks because if if that knockdown was pro was properly called, this was a potentially life changing result. Look at Lucas would have ended up winning the fight, gotten a win over a former world title challenger who, I mean, in, in all honesty, could have still been in the mix. If he had beaten Lucas, but now, one, Nyambayar's stock goes down, and Lucas yep. doesn't gain a ton of forward momentum because the fight ended in a draw. It's a draw, yep. So it's, it kind of kind of reminded me of the time when uh, Ugas definitely dropped Porter in the 12th round and called it a slip, and that affected the scoring of that fight. I uh, Would that fight have been a draw, or would have Ugas won that fight had they scored it a knockdown? If I remember correctly, I believe that would have been score. That would have been a draw. A draw. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm, okay. Let me. I'm just reading. Uh, five. It was one fifteen, one thirteen, one sixteen, one twelve, one seventeen, one eleven. That one for Ugas. So. All right. So. So one fifteen, one thirteen, and that was who did they? Who did they give the twelfth round to? Was that in the twelfth round? It was. It was at the end of the fight, right? Like the last thirty seconds of the fight. If I remember, well, if it if it had t been in any of the last two rounds, actually, it would have, uh, let's see, 10. Who did they give the 12th round to? The 115-1 turn thing scorecard was for Porter. So, yeah, yeah, Ugas would have won. Actually, Ugas, Ugas would have won. won the fight. Ugas, yes. First of all, how do you give Porter the 12th round when Ugas dominated the they shafted Ugas. And that, so and that fight and basically wow. decided it. That 12th round decided from Max the to fight. Luka, Gave Porter yeah. the win because right, Zachary, so the Zachary fight, Young so and Steve minute, Morrow so, already had their scorecards done with the. So essentially it was it was it was one hundred four one hundred three Porter going into the twelfth and final round. The knockdown would have made it one thirteen one twelve. Winner Ugas split decision. No, that would it would have been one uh, one fourteen one thirteen. Going into the 12th round. Wait oh, going okay. into so the 12th round. Going into the 12th round. Going into oh, the 12th round. I, I'm talking about afterwards. Going into the 12th round. Okay. He won by two points, right? So yes. going into the 12th round, he was up by one point. So it was one. Oh, my bad. It was 105, 104. Yes. Going into, so it would have been 114, 113 for Ugas. Yes. Had, he, had they correctly scored the knockdown. Yeah, he got jobbed. And how did they give that 12th round to Porter? How did DeLuca give that 12th round to Porter? Lucas dominated that round. Oh, man. Let, let's get let's get back to what we've been talking about because I'm pissed off right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, so ultimately, I feel bad for Lucas, and I hope he gets another chance to fight on, uh, on TV on Showtime because he earned it. He certainly yes, he earned it. Now... You had mentioned Regis Progress a little while ago. And yep, give us his the next news. fight. And his next fight. Who, who's been, this bub he's fighting? <laughs> so he has been so Pro Bellum has announced a card in Dubai for 
uh, just trying to get the, uh, the date correctly. March 19 in Dubai, two fights were announced. Sonny Edwards versus Muhammad Wasim for the IBF flyweight title. And then Regis Prograde versus Tyrone McKenna. This is going to be Regis's third fight since the loss to Josh Taylor Josh in the excellent, excellent World Boxing Super Series fight. You, you think that you think this fight will be will be a uh, televised and access again? That's a good question. I I, I don't know, but the but it Pro would make Bella, sense. It it would make sense, man. Yeah, but Pro Bellum does uh, their website does have. A uh, does have give people access to watch the card on uh, on a private Live YouTube link for free. Okay, all right. Which okay. is why, which is how I watched the first access show, uh, card. Yeah, I have access, so I was watching it before I went to work. And uh, yeah, that goddamn fight between yet uh, that Donnie Nietzsche's fight really pissed me off. <laughs> and we talked about it uh, on the podcast, but yeah, I hope I hope that these problems. Pro Bellum cards become a regular thing on Access because that first fight was from Dubai, right? That first card. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Probably. Yeah. And they they got. I mean, they got a lot of fights uh, on the website, so they're they're not just exclusive to Access. I mean, they have it on their own website. They do a lot of co-promotional stuff, and I mean, hell, on <laughs> on Thursday, January twenty seventh. I mean, you. I mean, if you want to add on to the tally the things that'll probably piss you off. Uh, early afternoon, Thursday, January 27th in Spain, Sergio Martinez is going to be fighting. Uh, please don't mention him. Sergio how's Martinez he, how's in he his, allowed to fight? In his, oh uh, mid-40s right now, specifically 46 years old, turns 47 in less than a month, <sighs> and rated in the top five by the WBA at 160 pounds. Just thought uh, you should know. He, he didn't fight Golovkin when he was the it, it, when he was the ring middleweight champion of the world, he might fight Golovkin when he's 50 years past his prime. He might. He might. I, it, let's be honest. If Martinez looks good, and look, he's been fighting journeymen. And he's been fighting who's to nobody. Say, who's to say Martinez and Golovkin doesn't become a thing in 2022? I, would, I wouldn't be shocked. Nothing surprised me, surprises me when it comes to boxing. Nothing. No. Uh this one, I understand. Uh, Golovkin tried his best to get Martinez when Martinez was still a world-class top 10 fighter. Mm. And now <laughs> they might fight years, a decade after his prime. <laughs> it, it's, I, I'm still amazed. What, I mean, the WBA, I said this time and time again, their rankings and how they, it's so dubious and so you know, non-genuine and, and we'll get that into that sense. later when we're previewing the weekend's fights, but yeah, I mean it, uh, for those of you who are not aware and probably don't uh, don't remember the whole Rolando Romero situation that got the forced showtime oh, not God. forced showtime, but prompted showtime to cancel the Gervonta Davis Rolando Romero fight for oh, late last year could, could still happen Rolando Romero, oh, the investigation uh, yep. did not turn uh, any charges in for Ro- uh, Romero at this moment. And the WBA has reinforced its a um, its order of Gervonta Davis versus Rolando Romero. Saying that uh, these ha- they have 30 days 
by the time from their announcement, which was yes, uh, January 24th. So they have until February 24th to reach an agreement or else there's going to be a purse bid. Uh, well, it's not like there was any major, major plans for Gervonta Davis at uh, right now. So if Showtime, yeah. if Showtime and Mayweather promotion, they can all hide behind that. Well, the investigation did not turn up anything. So we can make this fight with a somewhat it, clear. It's conscience. a fight nobody nobody wants to see this fight. The only people that want to see this fight are Rolando Romero and his family. I uh, I'm not going to comment. Uh, continue. I I don't want to explode right now. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of things, a lot of shenanigans with the WBA and you know, well, keep it on that track. Murajana McDalia versus Ronnie Rios. It could have, could still happen this year. Uh, they've given the WB has given Agmedaliev, who's the IBF and the WBA champion, ninety days, which is April twenty fourth, for that fight to be carried out. That fight was supposed to take place last November, but Rios tested positive for COVID. Yep, yep. I, I still like this fight. I still really, really like this fight. I don't know how Ronnie's gonna look in his uh, first fight after COVID against. Arguably the trickiest fighter at 122 pounds in Murajan Akbadaliev, but I like it. I, I like that fight if it can be made. And I, I there's nothing that will that's stopping me from thinking this fight uh is gonna be made. I think it's gonna happen. Uh whether it's gonna be on a show in the United States, whether it's gonna be on another matchroom card in Uzbekistan, that that's that remains to be seen, but that's a good fight. Ronnie Rios gives 100% every time he fights. And like you said, the champion is a very, very tricky fighter. So this is a very intriguing fight. Uh, Rios would be a live underdog, and I hope he gets that fight. There's plenty of boxing this upcoming weekend. And before we sort of get into a little thing we have at the very end that I'm actually very excited about. Uh, Real quick, I do want to mention that, you know, the top rank has a card this Saturday with Hobson Conceição against Xavier Martinez in a WBC Super Featherweight uh, title eliminator. Which I think it's a very, very interesting fight. Then, given how Conceição looked against Oscar Valdez, I'm genuinely uh, intrigued by this fight against a guy in Xavier Martinez who has looked good uh, throughout his run with uh, Mayweather Promotions, he's Martinez is now with Showtime, and Martinez I think has gotten better. And I like this fight. I I think this is going to be a very very good fight. On it's ESPN. This, I, I I can't I can't pick the winner of this fight. This is a tough fight, man. This fight go either way. I, I agree. I agree. That's a. I mean, this. I mean, Conte is the you know is at it, his best. He's the toughest opponent of Martinez's round. career. Is it a 10-round fight or a 12-round fight? I believe it's a 10-round fight. Okay. If it was a 12-round fight, I'd pick Martinez because Robeson showed no stamina in this fight against Valdez. 10-round fight's a different story. It's going to be tough. Man, I'm not I'm not making a prediction on this one. This fight's tough. <laughs> I'll let you do it. I'm not touching this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, if I'm wrong... Obviously, the the whole blame is gonna be on me. But if I'm right, then you gotta understand all credit goes to me. All credit goes to Carlos if he's right. Ah, uh, oh boy, 
It's a genuinely you see, it's tough. It's, it's a tough, tough fight. It's a tough fight. I'm going this with I think I'm going Sanger Martinez. I think Martinez one, he is he's a hell he's a heck of a lot younger than yep. than Conte Sal. So I think if this goes de- deep into the trenches, and especially if Con- if Martinez can sort of apply a little bit of pressure early and make uh Sao, you know, exert a lot of effort early on to the point where he does get gas- gassed out once we get into the championship round, or at least I could say eighth, ninth, tenth round, tenth round then yeah. Martinez could still win the decision. And I think that Martinez, I think he's a very, very good boxer. And I think that in some ways you can argue he's at his best, he's a better boxer than the level of boxer Valdez showed Late last year uh, against Conte Sal, and let's be honest, whether it be you know the stuff that was happening leading into the fight or whatever, but Valdez didn't look good. He did not look good he at did. all. He gave away the first half of that fight. A great assessment of this fight. I, I can't argue what you said. Um, I'm still not going to pick a winner because this fight go either way. But uh, it could even end in a draw. Ten rounds. Follow what Carlos said. What Carlos says. Is as good as any prediction you're going to get. This is a tough fight. It's it's a it's a very very good fight. The undercard for the show, which by the way, it's a very very long undercard, but it's one that you know they have a, a couple of intriguing prospects. They got Stephen Shaw fighting uh, uh, on that show. I don't. That was uh, announced just this week against Joy Dashko, which I like. I actually do like. I think it's a pretty good. Um, I think it's a really good fight. It's a good step up fight for this young, unbeaten heavyweight. And yes, it is. Yes, it is. He faces a veteran who's been in the ring with a lot of really good fighters uh, over the years. So. I'll, I'll, I'll make I'll make you laugh. What was it? Three, four, maybe five years ago. Uh, he was fighting on a PBC card, Joey, and <laughs> uh, I think it was Chris Myers and uh, uh, Goosen, Goosen, Joe, Joe Goosen, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> and Joe Goosen. No, I backed. I'm sorry. Uh, I apologize, Mr. Goosen. It was not you. It was on top rank. My bad. Okay, it was on top rank. <laughs> Joe Testator. Tim Bradley and Mark Kriegel. And Mark Kriegel tells Tim Bradley and Joe Tessator, oh, he kind of reminds me of James Tony. You should have heard the silence in the room. Um, I think Tim Bradley had to put the microphone down and maybe mute himself from laughing out loud. Uh, soon afterwards, Kriegel was no longer color commentating, just doing reporting. <laughs> oh, man. Jeez, you kind of reminds me of James Tony. <laughs> uh, excellent step up fight for Steven um, as, as he continues to progress. And, and there's a couple of other good prospects on the on the card: Bruce Carrington, Tiger Johnson, Jeremiah Milton, and your favorite fighter, Nico Ali Walsh. Then, then let's let's go on to the next bit of news. Huh? I mean, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to stay positive. Carlos keeps trying to set me up. Last <laughs> week I exploded on Arab. This week I've been very calm, cool, collective. Let's leave that alone. Uh, 
Let's go on to the Donkey Kong. Actually, but, but before we do, before we do, I've, I'd be remiss if I didn't for, forgot to mention this, but the Showtime February 26th card, it's a damn good card. Roger Gutierrez versus oh, yeah, Chris talk Colbert. About that. Talk about that. Versus Chris Colbert oh. for Gutierrez's uh, regular yep. WBA 130-pound title. Gary Antoine Russell versus Victor Postol. And Jordan Ancajas versus Fernando that's Martinez. His, that's his step-up fight. This is this is Russell's time to shine. And you said, uh, what's the last fight? Ancajas versus who? Fernando Martinez for the IBF 150-pound world title. Man, Showtime keeps putting a quality card after quality card after quality card. There's no other network that is as consistent as Showtime. It's a really good fight. Gutierrez is, has all the momentum in the world after the two wins against Roger Gutierrez. Uh, I, I mean, against Rene Alvarado. Alvarado. And he's more than good enough to give Colbert t- his first and why loss. Does it, why does it feel like Gutierrez and Alvarado have been fighting since the 90s? Right? I mean, they got to be- Every to be day. fair, anyone who's had, who's been attached to that WBA 130-pound uh, uh, title over the last two years, they've been fighting the same opponents uh, yes, time and time again. over and over again. Yeah, yeah Roger Gutierrez <laughs> fought, fought uh, Rene Alvarado for this title twice. And then right. before that, Rene Alvarado uh, had to fight... I'm trying to think. Yeah, well, he fought Andrew Cancio, which was the, the, a rematch from right. several years ago. What and then before a, what that, about Andrew, the former Puerto, what about the former Puerto Rican WBA champion? And know what I'm saying. Before that, yeah. Andrew Cancio fought Alberto Machado twice. Twice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if history is going to show anything, there's a good chance that Chris Colbert. By the way, I I think Colbert's winning right now. I'd say Colbert's winning. He, went, he he beats Roger Gutierrez in a really good fight, and then they have a rematch, and then Colbert dominates the uh, in the second one. That's kind of been the story of his WBA title. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's uh, because I eventually I want to see uh, Colbert is a PBC fighter, right? Yes. That's that's a potential uh, a fighter for a Javante down the line. If Colbert wants to move to one thirty five, yeah, I agree. I, I I fully agree with that. And Aunt I mean, Darian, they want to keep everything. In, they want to keep everything in house. I mean, you've got a couple of guys there at PBC that Javante could look at, at to to fight. That's Frank Martin and possibly Chris Colbert in the future. And again, Gary Antoine Russell versus Victor Postol. My God, that's a that's a heck of a uh, step up fight. I, I I I always go with the younger guy who's got more gas in the tank. Postal's long in the tooth hasn't impressed me in a very long time. Russell shines, I, I believe, in this fight as he becomes a real contender after beating a former world champion. I mean, not for nothing. Postal is a very, very tricky fighter to figure out. So this fight, in more ways than one, is going to show us uh, what type of fighter Gary Antoine Russell is. The one thing, the thing going up against Postal is that he hasn't fought since August of 2020, which was the uh, the yeah. loss to Jose Damn. Ramirez. Yeah, Jose Ramirez beat him. Yeah, which is I mean, it's still a very, very close fight under the majority decision. So I like this fight. I think this is going to be a fantastic card. I think on on paper it's looking like a really, really, really good card. 
as 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 Showtime continues to do. It, it's funny. The Showtime regular cards are better than the Showtime pay per views. Why? I, I I don't know. <laughs> that that that. I don't think that's a question I I'm able to answer, or even want to answer at this point. So, I teased this earlier in the show. Now we're gonna get to it. So, this Saturday, I will be in Warren, Ohio, covering. A Don King card in the year of our Lord 2022. I repeat, I will be covering a card promoted by 90-year-old Don King with a world title fight in the main hey, event. This is hey, this is close to the 50th anniversary of his first promote promoted card. So it's a, you're gonna be there, you're gonna be there at a you know at a festive occasion. I mean, well, it's a big homecoming for Don, but it's still, uh, it feels weird. Like this is gonna, this is the the big homecoming for for Don. Never, never mind the other fighters, but this is this is Don's night, and and I can tell you, it's, when, you know, when I spoke to him uh, last week, he ha- he still has a lot of energy for a guy who's ninety years old, but in the same way as Bob. Is he Arrow. is he as verbose as ever? Oh my god. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna just tell you this. If you go to my YouTube channel, Carl's Tour Media, I posted a couple of videos from uh, when I talked to Don King. The one where I, the video where I spoke to uh, Don King when Jonathan Guidry was on the card, uh, was on the, was also on Zoom. The third question I asked Don King. His answer was, I could be wrong, but it was somewhere like four minutes and ten seconds. Oh, Don is as loquacious as ever. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Don King at night, he's still as loquacious as ever. Okay, go on. See, yeah. (laughs) So, the co-main event, I I guess it's the co-main event. Uh, Trevor Bryan versus Jonathan Guidry for Bryan's WBA regular heavyweight belt. It's it's hard to really make much of this fight, considering. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, Trevor Bryan makes John the Quiet Man Rees look like Lennox Lewis in his prime. Go ahead. So originally, this was supposed to be Trevor Bryan versus Mambo Char. Char couldn't get a visa in the United States uh, to get to the United States now. Whether or not uh, the specific reason why Char didn't go to the United States for one or the other, you know what? what I'm not gonna get into that. Uh, the real, the the real funny thing is that you know they bring in Jonathan Guidry, who's nowhere near ranked uh, in the WBA top 15, gets put in this regional title fight against Alonzo Butler. Char doesn't go. Char is unable to make the, the make the trip to the U.S. And then all of a sudden, Gidry gets put on as the number 11 WBA heavyweight in the world. Now, you can draw your own conclusions as to how this happened. I asked Don King. I put him on the record with that. And the argument was, well, Gidry's unbeaten. And he was fighting for a regional title. That's pretty much it. Now, you can draw your own (laughs) conclusions. Uh, from the explanation that he gave me, 
Which, by the way, that was the four-minute uh, answer that he gave me. I'm just paraphrasing. I'm just summarizing all of it in, like, two sentences. But, uh, that's not what the focus of this little preview is all about. The main event, Ilonga Makabu versus Tamasu and Kunu. It's a rematch from their first fight, all the way back in 2015. Back in the day, that was a WBC Cruiserweight title eliminator. And then, amazingly, seven years later, they're fighting each other now for the world title, for the WBC Cruiserweight yep. world title. This is... An, okay, you can make all the jokes and you can say all the things about Don King and whether, you know, about his promoting abilities and, his, you know, his uh, very limited roster, if we're being the, perfectly this honest. Is, this, is a great, this is a great fight. The first fight's one of the greatest fights in Cruiserweight history. This fight, they're, 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 they've lost more than a step. This is going to be another war. <laughs> so the first fight, and we're going to do something a little special here. We're going to look back on that first fight that took place in Africa back in 2015, which I had never seen before I thought. I, when this fight was, for, when this rematch was ultimately announced and it was taking place in Warren, Ohio, I wanted to finally take a chance at, at, at seeing their first fight. Because one, Robert has, if you're a long-time listener to the show, you have listened time and time again to Robert saying how great this first fight was. Yeah, I mean, I've been and, saying and, this is the very beginning. <laughs> and for the, and, you know, for for the most part, I agree. I, I finally saw this fight. It was an excellent, especially, and especially in the second half, very heavy-handed uh, title eliminator back in 2015. It was a really good fight that took place in South Africa. And we're going to do a nice little recap of that fight. And then do do our, you know, our general predictions for the for the 2022 version of this fight. So it starts off with Tabaso Mkunu just basically outboxing Ilunga Makabu for the, essentially the first half of the fight. And in the third round, he just lands a couple of really good right hands that, you know, frankly, hurts Makabu. Yep, yep. Uh, and I don't know what the, how you saw this fight, Robert. Uh, you know, but what I, I gave want... the I gave the first six rounds to him, Chudu, because Makabu was doing nothing. As a matter of fact, and the announcers were thinking that the referee was going to stop the fight because there was times, Carlos, where Makabu was doing nothing but laying up against the ropes and taking a pounding. And he was throwing these wild shots, and, and anybody who's ever seen M. Chudu fight knows that he's a very crafty fighter. He kind of reminds me of a Chris Bird defensive-type fighter, and he was making Makabu miss. First six rounds, it was all M. Chudu. The, I would actually. I, I'm going to stop you right there. I actually thought. I actually thought that Makabu won the the sixth round. I actually had after the first sixth round. I actually had it five one for Makabu uh, for for yeah, for Kuna for Kuna. The, the sixth round was a swing round. The sixth round could have gone either way. I thought Makabu dominated the first half of the round, and then Mchudo came out strong in the second half of the round. That's why I gave it to Mchudo. A lot of judges will give it to Makabu because it was the first round where he showed life. I want to know how one of the judges, because 
in international WBC fights, you hear the scorecards after every four rounds. Yes. What are the judges had at 40-37? How the hell do you have any of those rounds even? What were you looking at? I, that Bakabu I agree. Did nothing but that, get hit. That I agree. So, it, yeah. Carlos had it 5-1. I had it 6-zip after 6. But in the seventh round, it was all Macaboo from dead on. Yeah, but before we kind of get into that, the— the the interesting thing about you know the way the that first fight uh, the first half of this fight kind of transpired, it was essentially Mkunu just doing the uh, the the Floyd Mayweather type of, you know shoulder roll, shoulder and, roll. Yep, going into yep. the Philly shell defense. And here's the thing, and I and and I'm literally parroting what the announcers have been saying because they could not shut up about uh, Mkunu's style and his stance. It's like oh the Floyd Mayweather. Um, Oh, Phil, shoulder rolling, and, and and I get it. Back in 2015, this was you know Floyd Mayweather was still in active boxing, but my goodness, I mean, if you're gonna make that comparison, but, it, it, but they 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 failed to realize that Chudo has been a crafty fighter his entire career. Uh, Chudo's fights used to be shown all the time on the NBC Sports Network. I think Kathy Duva was his promoter at the United States, and he would fight these. Uh, other middle of the road light heavyweights and dominate and you would see because of that crafty style of his he's a very tough guy to hit and Macaboo first half of the fight Carlos was trying to land home run shots you're not going to do that against M. Chudu you got got to work everything off the jab and and Uh, Chudu even hurt Macaboo in the third round in the third round which shocked me because M. Chudu has never been a big puncher no no he, he didn't and then came around, came as Robert said, the seventh round, and then all of a sudden, Makabu just struck lightning, and you know didn't necessarily hit the home run, but he found, it, but he hit it um, ground rule double and hurts Mkunu for, uh, for really the majority of that round. Mkunu yeah, bat- survives bat- it, but that bat- was the catalyst. He batted, and I think Mkunu one punched himself out, and two never recovered. From getting severely hurt in the seventh round, because after that he wasn't the same fighter. I would argue that yes, that I mean that was the big turning point. But I but I think that the right before that, I think in the starting in the sixth round, I think I, I was seeing Mkunu already gassing himself out. I thought that you know the moment he started doing that, I thought it was starting to be over for him because. Mkuno never really adjusted, even even before he got hurt in the seventh. He never really properly adjusted. He just kept stay, doing the same thing over and over again, staying in the yep. and trying to, you know, roll off uh, Makabu's punches with his shoulder. But instead, he instead of just doing that and then jabbing and counterpunching, Mkuno all he did was just start retreating into the corner, and he yeah, and he was just a complete sitting duck. And Robert, you you know this, when you're doing the uh, that type of style, you're doing the shoulder roll, and obviously Mayweather did that a lot, but we didn't do it to the point where it became predictable. He knew when to use and he knew when to sort of back off a little bit. Just, just, just like James Toady, who was the first fighter I ever saw use the shoulder roll. It wouldn't be all fight long. It would be when you needed to do it at the opportune time. And Chuda was doing it over and over and over again, Carlos. Good good, good observation. And, and 
later in, in starting the sixth round, I noticed and Kuna was kind of dropping the right hand a little bit. He had a little a little too low for what he wanted to do. And that opened up for Makabu's left hand, which essentially was the catalyst of the second half of the fight for Makabu dominating. Because and this is why Makabu is such a great fighter and a great and a great brawler at times is that he hurt Makabu and then immediately attacks uh, Mkunu to to the body and prevents yeah, he Mkunu broke, from, he from broke, catching a second wind. He broke him down with those body shots. Um, those hooks to the body were debilitating. And uh, and Chudu was already gassed, like you said, in the sixth round. You, you're right, I remember that. In the sixth round, uh, that right hand started coming down. And then in the seventh round, he got severely hurt. And he never recuperated from that. That was, he was exhausted, and there was no punch left. And he kept doing that damn shoulder roll that was so predictable that Makabu could time it with that vicious left of his, and then the knockout. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Makabu hurts Mkuni in the tenth round, like hurts him real bad to the point where everybody was starting to yeah, ma- yeah, Makabu's gonna knock him out. Then came the eleventh, uh, just past the halfway point of the 11th round. Makabu scores a couple of good, quick right jabs, pushes Mkunu to the uh, to the ropes with those quick jabs, and then Makabu lands this beautiful left uppercut that completely knocks out Mkunu with almost like a second and a, and a half delayed reaction. He lands his big uppercut right square on the face, and then Mkunu just drops onto the floor. Like, doesn't move for, like, the first six, seven seconds of the count. Starts squirming a little bit at eight. Has, tries to get up, just barely, maybe gets, like, half a foot off the, off the canvas. But still nowhere near getting back up at nine and ten. And then Makabu wins the fight. Gets the uh, eventual title shot against Tony Bellew. Where Makabu lost, and it's a fight that really gets for a while. It's kind was kind of the the thing that stuck onto Makabu the longest. That was that third yep. third round loss to Tony Bellew uh, a year later. And Bellew just Tony destroyed him. Uh, but uh, as far as the rematch goes, seven years later, I see both men have lost a step. So I'm going to go with the guy with with the power. So I got Makabu winning another late-round KO. Imchudo's uh, never been a big puncher, and he's lost a step. So defensively, he's not the same fighter he was seven years ago. That's why I'm going to go with the guy who still has the tremendous punching power in Makabu. And we've seen Makabu fighting over the years. You got to hit him with a sledgehammer to knock him out. And Imchudo um, uh, does not have a sledgehammer. And the problem here is, and I'm picking Makabu to win by by late stoppage. Yeah. The the thing about uh, Mkunu, one, he he not only has he lost a step, but over the years he's gotten hurt, he's gotten dropped so many times. Yeah. That I start to yeah. that you gotta wonder how long is that chin gonna hold up? And this current win streak that he's on. It's not like he was facing any any world. Be- I nope. mean, granted, he he beat a few. His win against Dennis Lebedev was three years ago, 
at this point. It's almost uh, three years ago. Which I think Lebedev, I, I think Dennis is the same age as me. <laughs> Dennis is old. I mean, Dennis has been around long. Dennis, Dennis has been around so long. He's beaten both Roy Jones and James Toady. That guy's old, right? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so, I, and I'm looking at this. And one, here's the problem. Here's the thing with Imkunu. I have to wonder. One has he has he has he added a few more weapons, not just necessarily as a puncher, but as a fighter on the intellectual side, because what he did in the second or what he didn't do, I uh, I should specify in the second of the half of the fight, that wasn't because he didn't have a punch or, or he didn't have anything left in his arsenal. It's simply he just didn't have the ring IQ to make the necessary adjustments. He just didn't. And not and to what mention what you see is what you get. I don't I don't think he has progressed from there. I think he's uh digressed. It's been seven years. I mean his style was predicated on speed. That was seven years ago. I I I I, I don't see anything there. I no, I see a big difference. I see Makabu dominating M Chudu. It won't be as tough as the first fight. The only way I can actually honestly see this going for Mkunu was is that I mean, historically, Makabu is not necessarily a fast starter. It takes him he he does take a few rounds to yes, sort of get going. The only thing I would the only thing I would say is is Mkunu's gotta find a way to apply a ton of pressure early and you know, this almost kinda seems counterproductive, but you kinda essentially have to give it, you know, do give it your absolute best and throw everything for those first two, three, four rounds and hope that that's going to be enough to hurt and even stop Makabu. I don't, you know, that might, that might be his best bet, but I doubt if that works. I doubt. Here's the thing. I doubt that's going to be the game plan, which is, and and, and Judo's never fought like that. No, that's never been, that's never been his style. He's not a big puncher. He's, I, I seriously question his stamina late in fights against top opposition. He's been dropped by Alexander Usyk in the ninth round yep. twice. He was dropped in in the seventh round of a ten round fight against Konstantin Bayanaru a year after the loss to Alexander Usyk. He, you know, I do what you have to question the stamina. You have to question the stamina. Uh, you know, uh, after. Taking all that punishment after the loss to Ilunga Makabu. Because Mkunu was dropped three times against Usyk. And he was dropped more in the years that's followed. And you know what? He's going to be dropped several times Saturday night. (laughs) But still. And even though we're making this fight look super non-competitive on paper. Mkunu is still a good enough of a boxer. That he can make this competitive, and if and I just another thing that I think Mkunu didn't do enough in the first fight. He didn't get to, he didn't go at the body. And he didn't go to the, well, you know, he jabbed to the body early, but then he abandoned the the, the, the jab to the body. But it, but, but here's the, the thing: he, he jabbed to the yeah. body, but he never really hurt him through the body. When he hurt no, no. Makabu in the third round, that, that the damage was done upstairs. And Makabu is yeah. a, a hard-headed guy that, if you hurt him upstairs, sure, 
uh, I mean, I, if you attack him upstairs, uh, all right, fine. He'll come back from it. He's capable of coming back from that. But if you attack him through the body, then that's going to make things a little bit uh, difficult. But you make a great point because when he hurt Makabu the third round, he went he went headhunting. He didn't go to the body. Whereas opposed to Makabu, when he hurt him, went Kimu, straight to the body. He yep. went straight to the yep. body for multiple was, rounds. Yep. So I think overall, I think I, if you can find it on, on YouTube, I think the, the first fight was really good. The first fight was really, the first really fight, good. The first fight's on YouTube, and we highly recommend you people see it. It's on YouTube. And... If y'all want to, here's the funny little thing. When I saw, I don't know what, if there were other broadcasts uh, of this fight. I saw this, what I, I'm assuming was Africa, uh, television in Africa. There's only one, there's only, there's two links, and they're both the same broadcast team, the South African broadcast team. Okay. I. But they did I, it in English. Here, but here's they, the they thing. They did here's announce it in English, but I mean, they were awful. <laughs> The uh, not talking about the the announcers, but this is something more broadcast should do. Just show random ass facts about the fighters on those lower dirt graphics, like they were ten year olds in the world and the Little League World Series. They showed Ilunga Makabu's favorite food, which I love, and I yes, they did that. They I, did I that. which I thought was hilarious because you do not see this. In professional boxing, like I said, you see this more as a you know for Little League World Series on Little League World Series, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His favorite food, if I can read this correctly, because the quality uh, of that video was very, very bad and very, very much a product of its time, 2015. Uh, I believe it's fried chicken and bananas. Yes, that's what it was, fried chicken and bananas. I want to know all these fighters' favorite foods. I want to know. Yeah, we need a. I, I would love to see that. Uh, I, the the be, bar has been utilized. set. Yeah. The bar has been set. Fried chicken and bananas for Ilunga Makaba. In fact, I wonder if that's still his favorite food. It's gotta be. It's only been seven years. Seven years <laughs> a long. Seven years a long time. That's almost a third of my life. Almost a quarter of my life. And seven years ago. That's true. That's true. Seven, yeah. Because seven years ago, you was what, 21, 20? I was 19. 19. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Almost a quarter of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I was in sophomore year. 2000. Okay. So this first fight took place more specifically in May 16, 2015. So I, your semester was ending. My sophomore year was ending yeah yeah if not already over uh yep which yeah and i remember that 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 fight took place and i remember why there was so much chatter on the on the mayweather philly uh uh, shoulder roll and everything because that fight took place i believe two weeks after mayweather pacquiao which, yeah, maybe with a Pacquiao, I know because my girlfriend, who I'm with still at the time, my lady, took me to a club in downtown Brooklyn, the Milk River Club, and we saw and she treated me with her best friend, who was her birthday. She treated both of us to the fight that they were showing live on the screen at the club, May second, two thousand fifteen. Man, you you were lucky. I did not get a chance. I did never saw that fight live. I never saw that fight. You live. didn't we, see Mayweather Pacquiao live? 
No, I saw it after it happened. What were you doing that night? Oh, you were in school. You probably had no, to study for no. exam. My friends and I were searching frantically for that. Everywhere was either super full or they weren't shown the five for whatever absurd reason. Oh, well, well my my girlfriend made reservations or else we could have got it that the that night of the fight. It was only reserved for people that had a reservation weeks in advance. You couldn't just pay to come in and see the fight. And so this was in New York City. So uh, that's probably why, Carlos, you and probably had to. You and had to, you, had and to, you ain't making and no one in the right mind would think of making reservations at a TGI Fridays ne- uh, near Lawrenceville, New Jersey, or at uh, Buffalo I mean, or Buffalo know, Wild could, Wings in New Brunswick. You could have bought tickets to a. You could have bought tickets in advance to a movie theater. They were showing it at movie theaters all over the country. I don't. I, I don't think we even realized that. Ah, uh, Carlos. Uh, I missed out. Man. I know. I know. I missed out. missed out. I missed out on what ultimately was a disappointing fight. And the announcers for Makabu and Kunu One could not stop talking about Mayweather. They were talking more about Mayweather than Kunu uh, a lot of times during this uh, first fight in 2015. Uh, well, who who's announcing uh, Saturday night? Uh, Ray Mancini is somebody else. You said uh, right. Ray Mancini is one of the announcers, right? Yes. Boo boo. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, because I did get the. Uh, it was Bob Ale- Bob Alexander. Bob Alexander and Boo Boo Mancini. Yes. Is there a third uh, announcer? Not from what I can tell. I, all I was told it uh, was it was going to be those two. Maybe there, I don't think there's going to be a third one. Uh, okay, just making sure. We, just making sure. I, I will be covering this card for the listeners. I will be covering this card for Fight Game Media on Saturday night in case uh, there are any Fight Game Media uh, listeners and readers who are actually curious about this card and not the Royal Rumble happening at the same time, which I, this is a part of it. It's a little bit miffed that I'm missing the Royal Rumble, but... In exchange, I could be. Hey, yeah, you'll be covering the fight. You could watch the Royal Rumble when you get home and not be spoiled. You'll be all right. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. It's gonna be hard for me to not get spoiled, but I will try. I will absolutely. I mean, your try. concentration's gonna be on the f- fight. You're gonna be looking at your phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be taking notes on your phone. You could easily mute any notifications and not have to uh, <laughs> find out. Who, who got eliminated. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So you can watch this card. You can watch this card on DonKing.com on know, a number of DonKing-related websites. DonKing.com, DKPBoxing.com, iTube247.com, and perhaps more easily, Fight TV is going to be showing the card all on pay-per-view, $49.99, and... I don't know if tickets are still sold, uh, are still being sold, but if you're in the Youngston, Ohio, or Warren, Ohio area, or anywhere that's an hour southeast of Cleveland, uh, of Cleveland, if there are still tickets available at WD Packard Music Hall, it's cheapest tickets are eighty dollars, going all the way to five fifty. I don't know. Uh, how tickets are being sold right at this second. But if there are tickets available and you're curious about this fight, uh, why don't you, you, you can absolutely try and, and make the trip. And hey, if any of you listeners out there are in the area and actually do want to see the fight, I will be there. I will be there. If you want to come and say hi, feel free to do so. 
You can follow me for updates on that card at Carl's Toro Media and read the... Uh, I don't know if we're doing live play-by-play, given that it's going to be at the same time as Rumble, but there will be coverage of that fight. And if you want to know... And if you want to read more about the fight and my thoughts on the card and of this first fight, where I'm actually going to be doing an article on this first fight between Ilunga Makabu and Tabiso Mkunu for FightGameMedia.com. So, beautiful, Rob- beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So, Robert, where can the good people read your work and find you on Twitter? Twitter, Robert Silva 5768 and my work. The same website that Carlos has been talking about the last couple of minutes, fightgamemedia.com, the parrot website of this podcast, of this podcast network, of the Patreon podcast network. Uh, right now, I'm, under, I'm doing my 45 greatest fighters of the last 45 years. This past week, you had the number 24, Canelo Alvarez, the number 23, Joe Casalgi, and the number 22, Oscar De La Hoya, all published in the last week. I'm working on my number 21 right now, which should be finished by tomorrow afternoon. And that's on Felix Tito Trinidad. Man, I was... I was too young to really catch Trinidad's prime. I was only... Uh, I started being a boxing fan right at the very end of ten, uh, Trinidad's time at the top. Yeah, you he he became world champion before you were even born. Nineteen ninety three, you were born in ninety five, and after he got destroyed by uh, when he got destroyed by Hopkins, he was never the same. He was six years old. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So look forward to Robert's article on Tito Trinidad, and that'll do it for this episode of the Pound for Pound podcast. Thank you so much. To everyone who tune in weekend and week out, check out the rest of the podcast on the Fight Game Media Network. Go check out the Fight Game Media Patreon with a ton of great podcasts, including some bonus shows between Robert and I. We, not too long ago, did a podcast on the Lloyd Hunnigan upset win over Donald Curry from... Many, many years ago, we did a good, I would say, a very, very fun retrospective article on that, and uh, a podcast on that, I should say. And, Robert, what is the next fight that we are going to be discussing? From, and I believe it was November of 1972, I might be off by a couple of weeks, one of the greatest subsets in boxing history, the very first loss of who I consider the greatest Latin American champion of all time, Hispanic champion of all time, Roberto Duran's first loss in his first fight against Esteban De Jesus, November of 1972. Yeah, that fight took place, yeah, November 1772 uh, at Madison Square Garden. At Madison, Madison Square Garden. My father attended that fight. I was only four years old, so I vaguely remember him screaming because. My father loved both fighters, but with the way my father was, Carlos, if a Puerto Rican was involved, that was the coin flip. And so <laughs> De Jesus, because he, years later, he would always talk about how De Jesus was a lot like Benitez, in, well, Fred Benitez, in that the extracurricular activities destroyed what should have been a brilliant career. We'll go more into detail on the Patreon, including the final days of to Jesus' life and Duran paying a visit to him in the hospital. We'll talk all about that on the Patreon. 
So that'll do it for this episode of Pound for Pound here on the Fight Game Media Network. He's Robert Silva. I'm Carlos Toro. We'll see you all next week for another rousing ex- episode of the Pound for Pound podcast here on the Fight Game Media Network. Hope you all enjoyed this weekend's fights, and we'll see you in the next one. Goodbye, everyone.